record this one manually. It's not connected with Sore. Tim Mansour, you're live. <laughs> What's up, brother? Yeah, you're going to fall back home, East Coast. Where are you at? I'm in beautiful Central Jersey, Warren, New Jersey. About as interesting as Fall River. We're uh, an hour south of Boston and 30 minutes west of Providence, uh, east of Providence. So okay. we're right in the middle of absolutely nothing going on. Um, but we got a decent sized city, so it helps. Tim. Good. So are all your properties in and around Fall River? Yeah. Uh, all 50 units are right here in the city. Um, and we're looking to take down another 50 units, again, locally. Although, I will say, I'm looking at Orlando in the future. <laughs> the weather's a little nicer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was hoping that uh, the event we were in last week, I was hoping it would be in Orlando. I was hoping to be there and go check out some property. I had to uh, cancel a bunch of appointments uh, because of the mm -hmm. COVID situation that's uh, occurring at the moment. So we didn't see each other in Orlando, but we got to see each other online. What was your biggest takeaway from that event? Oh man. Uh, it's, <laughs> wow. You know, I will, I'll tell you, um, I, you know, I am always impressed by Paul. Um, after going through uh, some difficult family um, struggles and uh, and going now what we're all going through with this COVID situation, and the guy just keeps keeps this like steady stream of energy, and it's amazing. And just kind of that's really my biggest takeaway was really to to keep up my energy, my my positivity, and and just roll with the punches and just you know you know but. Man, this man has taken some punches with his wife, and um, and um, boy, he, he just amazes me. And so, yeah. you know what? Um, he amazes and inspires me. So uh, that's my that was really my biggest um, my biggest takeaway to to keep uh, keep the uh, keep the train rolling and uh, be positive. How about you? Yeah, I agree with you, man. That um that was inspirational. I for me, I. I took out of it a lot of great contacts. So it was the biggest message to me was Zoom works, connect with better people. And um, now the, the rules are changed where like me and you can hang out right now. You're hanging out in New Jersey, I'm in, in Massachusetts, right? Right, right. And so my biggest takeaway, I, I scheduled uh, 16 Zoom calls for this week, all interviews with everybody from the Maverick uh, success program, so. <laughs> I'm interviewing a whole bunch of you champions, you know? <laughs> well, good people to hang out with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, Tim, what is your business? What is it you do, and how do you help people? Um, so, uh, I am uh, an accountant. I uh, typically do uh, tax returns and uh, tax planning and tax uh, issue resolution. Um, I... I pride myself on uh, really uh, having a strong technical knowledge of the tax law. Um, if everybody, if anyone tells you uh, they know everything there is to know about tax, well, then that's just not realistic. But um, I, uh, I seek to, you know, really learn as much as um, humanly possible in tax law and specializing in certain areas um, and, uh, and being able to take that knowledge and apply it to um, each client situation. I think one of the best things um, about my practice and me is that you know, we ask our clients a lot of questions and we unearth 
a lot of um, tax savings just by asking questions, things that they didn't realize, didn't think of. Um, I just finished up uh, working on a case of uh, a solo practice psychiatrist. Um, she uh, she does very well, and she thinks, hey, uh, you know, I'm just solo practice. I just rent a room and talk to people. I don't really have much in terms of expenses. Uh, but we uh, dug up a whole lot of uh, expenses from a previous year's tax return and saved her about $8,000 in tax for things oh, that she wow. just didn't realize that she could deduct, you know. Um, she was very much of the 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 procedure of you know send my stuff to the accountant and he just does it and he sends it back and so he didn't ask any questions you know or very little, few questions and just sent the information back to her and she paid her tax but I said look you know we ask questions and, and we dig into things and and so that's my that's my um that's my uh, unique selling proposition that's what <laughs> makes me different. My, um, uh, Tim, I'm pretty sure unique selling proposition is supposed to be one sentence. <laughs> That's the USB is one sentence. <laughs> so, so if we could condense that, what is the one thing you do for people? Um, I bring my expertise uh, to the table to save significant tax dollars. I love it. I love yeah. it. And that's, uh, that's one of the reasons where we're doing this call today is you're the tax guy, you know what you're doing when it comes to uh, the benefits and, and negatives to uh, claiming those expenses, right? Now, for you, your job is find as many expenses possible. Now, my lenders, they're the opposite. They want us to show as few expenses as possible so they can lend us a lot of money. So there's this little middle ground that we fight as investors, we're, we're, right. or even as business owners, especially when we're going to, mm -hmm. to borrow from the banks. What advice do you have as far as you know, knowing what to claim and what not to claim, and you know, maybe it is as simple as, "Hey, just go make more money," right? <laughs> That's job one: is make more money. Okay, right. I've I've never advised a client to make less. Like you know, they they go to sell an investment property, and they're they're worried about the tax implications. Well, you know, I have an offer on the table for seven hundred thousand, but you know, this other guy. You know, I could sell it to him for six fifty. Would that be better for me? Absolutely not. That's ridiculous. And expenses are the same way. Is don't go spending money just for a tax write-off. Okay, it's always better to make more money. That's job one. Cash flow in real estate terms is is also you know cash job one, and they're hand in hand, right? Yep. One thing that um, I I think is an excellent uh, leverage point for real estate investors is. Um, depreciation and uh, depreciation as it relates to tax savings, but also as it relate, relates to uh, lending. Okay, um, depreciation um, is I I love depreciation. I love to get into the the fine intricacies of depreciation. I'm sure you've talked to to many accountants and many um, engineers about cost segregation. Cost segregation is awesome. If you're not doing it, you are missing tons of money depending you know on the scale of your business if you're not doing cost segregation on your properties and depreciating it like that uh you might be missing the boat on thousands of dollars huge dollars okay so, so cost Tim, seg is before yeah. you before you jump off of cost segregation define cost segregation a lot of the audience are new investors uh they only own one or two properties but they're looking to expand so what what is uh cost segregation when it comes to tax law okay so cost segregation is uh, dividing up 
the purchase price of the property into different depreciable classes. Uh, typically, people think of a residential rental property as being depreciable over 27 and a half years. That means, let's just say in a very simple case, um, a property is purchased for $275,000. That means that you can take a depreciation expense of $10,000 a year for the next 10 years, uh, 30, um, sorry, uh, $10,000 a year for the next 27 and a half years, okay? However, with cost segregation, we can take that same $275,000 and divide it up into different classes. Uh, some will be depreciable at 27 and a half years. Some will be depreciable at 15 years. Some will be depreciable at 10, 7, and 5. Okay? With um, changes in the tax law, a lot of the 15, 10, 7, 5-year property, you can get a full depreciation expense now. Okay? So let's say um, we take that $275,000 property and do cost segregation, and we segregate out $50,000 of 15-year uh, property. Okay? And an engineer would get into this with you and say, okay, you know, so much of the property is 15-year property, some of it's 27-and-a-half-year property, so on. But let's say we segregate out uh, $50,000 of 15-year of property. Well, now, instead of a depreciation expense of $10,000, you will get the whole $50,000 of a depreciation expense right now because of what's called bonus depreciation. The government, the federal government, will let you depreciate the whole $50,000 right off right now and uh, give you a, a huge write-off. If you have a tax liability, this can offset your tax liability. Um, if you don't have a tax liability, you could use it towards future tax liability or even past tax liability depending on what kind of investor you're set up as. But it will give you huge tax write-offs now instead of having to wait the 27-and-a-half-year uh, time frame. And then um, you will get a 27-and-a-half-year depreciation on the remaining part. So in my example, I said, you know, it's a $275,000 property, $50,000 we're going to allocate as 15-year property, $15,000 tax write-off right there. Boom. Even if you haven't paid off the property, you still get that $50,000 tax write-off. And then the remaining 225, that's what you'll write off over 27 and a half years. That's so it is a great way to get some huge tax deductions um, by just having a cost segregation study done. I'll, can I go into one step further? What happens yeah. on the sales side? Absolutely, okay. Yeah. So what happens on the sales side is um, you guys may have heard that depreciation needs to be recaptured, if you will, if you have a property uh, that um, sells at a gain. So let's say um, you have a $275,000 property and you took $50,000 of depreciation on it. Now uh, it's two twenty-five dollars on your books. Okay? And let's right. say you sell that for $300,000. Okay? And now you're going to have a taxable gain of $75,000. Right. Now not all gains are created equal. The, the most optimal type of gain is what's called long-term capital gain, um, also known uh, um, in some terms as Section 1231 gain. Okay? That is taxed at uh, a maximum of 15%. So when we look at the property as long-term capital gain, that's 15% tax rate. But depreciation 
recapture. Remember how it made the price go down and then it made a higher gain? The right. part that depreciation is allocable to um, is, uh, is taxed at 25%, okay? Well, that's worse than 15%. We want 15, we don't want 25. If we do a cost seg, what we can do is we can say, well, we sold the property for 300, okay? And all of it is allocable to the property that wasn't depreciated. And the property that was depreciated, we're gonna allocate little or none of the sale price to that property, that segregated piece of property, and therefore avoid the 25% tax, um, and all of your gain will be taxed at a nice 15%. So if you're not doing cost seg on the, on the purchasing side and the selling side, dude, you are, dude, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars and on up, depending on the scale of the property. And cost segs really aren't even that expensive. Right. Wow. No kidding. So yeah. what, what does a typical, can you uh, give a quote on that? What does a typical cost segregation cost? Well, I don't, I don't do cost segs. Those are uh, done by uh, engineers. Um, okay. They're, they're going to uh, look at the property and say, okay, of the physical, you know, structure of the property. Okay. Right. They're engineers with tax knowledge and tax background. And, the, and uh, I can um, give you some names of some companies that do this, yeah. uh, but they will look at a property and say, okay, of the property, um, 50% of it is 27 and a half year property. 20% of it is 15 year property. 20% uh, of it is uh, 10 year property and the remaining X percentage, uh, I lost my numbers, like five year property. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, we direct clients to uh, have a cost seg done. Um, I've seen them for as cheap as four or five hundred bucks. Money well, well, well spent. Absolutely. Okay. Even if you save a couple yeah. thousand, it's it's totally worth it. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. Tim, that's all right. We're already diving into the gold here. So, <laughs> so taxes are as as we progress as investors, we start realizing more and more that tax game is where we belong playing. And what I mean by tax game is. Um, not avoiding it, just utilizing the system. There's so many ways that we can reinvest using government money, using uh, our own funds instead of pulling it out of the system and paying taxes on it. Uh, one of the things I say all the time is that the government taxes you for pulling money out of the system. But if you keep the money in play, the government 100% encourages it. The federal government wants you investing. They, it, 1031 was created to keep money in play, right? 1031 is like awesome, yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is that a good understanding of it, Tim? <laughs> you, you know, um, I, I, I've never w worded it like that, but I like your wording. Um, just keeping it in play, keeping it in in motion, and not um, sitting in a in a bank account, um, but sitting right. in in real assets um, is uh, is is huge. Ten thirty one is huge. I think it's a better you know of the two options. But another option that's kind of like a sister to ten thirty one is yep. self directed IRAs. Really. So yeah, I don't know if you, you guys are using those, but self-directed IRAs is basically keeping the money in the IRA, okay? And as long as it's moving inside the, or, or staying inside the IRA, then there's no tax until it comes out of the IRA. Similar with the 1031, as long as the, pro, the, the money is staying in real assets, okay? Real, you know, physical property, okay? Yep. Then as long as it's in there and you meet the, the requirements to that, again, no tax until you, you take it out of that cycle, okay? Right. Um, both are awesome. Both are, are fantastic um, and both have their place. 
No, it's, that's definitely um, interesting you mentioned it, but there's a company called Equity Trust that creates a lot of IRAs, a lot of self-directed 401ks, IRAs. And mm -hmm. a lot of the money that we actually borrow from our private money investors comes from their 401ks or their IRAs set up that way where all the money we have, to, we can't pay it to the investor. We have to pay it to their 401k or the IRA. It's right. self-directed. So we just we put it right in there. It can't pass through them. It has to go through the, uh, through the IRA itself and right back into that account which is managed by equity trust. Uh, and I'm sure there's other companies out there. Um, but yeah, a lot of our investors are using it and they love it. And uh, Ron and I were actually talking about it. So I can ask you this question. You may or may not know, but so Ron and I, we own a business together. So what if we went and said, Hey, we want to create a self-directed IRA. Can we own property together in that self-directed IRA? Or is that for individual use only? So can a, a corporation or an LLC own its own IRA? Yes, uh, but it's subject to a lot of qualifications and um, and rules that um, I don't have you know handy right now. Um, it, it, you can do it, but there's a lot of uh, limitations. Your investors, if they're passive, their hands off. They're saying, "Hey, look, I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollars. My return on investment's a hundred and ten. You know, and it all stays in their IRA. Great." Yeah. They're not the ones who are, you know, making the deals. They're not the ones who are, um, you know, uh, uh, writing the leases and, you know, hiring the contractors. As long as they're passive, okay, right. then and it's just happening in their IRA, they're okay. Now, you, if you're doing the deals and, you know, hiring the contractors and things like that, that may trip you up. And to, to frankly, I don't know exactly where that line is. Yeah, no, Tim, it makes sense. It, it makes sense. And that's why our investors do it that way. And I have a feeling that the way we'll do it in the future is, you know, he'll have his money, I'll have my money, we'll just invest using other people's products. So the idea is we're training our replacements, so they can do all the work and we just yeah, put nice, right. money in. <laughs> right. An equity trust will be the one that they're, they're going, they're the they're the they're right there at the heart of this matter. They're going to be the ones to tell you this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. Okay. You just gave me the idea. I got to get one of those guys on the phone. So on the Zoom call, so everybody can get the answer. I like that. So Tim, yeah. going back to, to advantaging yourself in real estate uh, using the tax code, what are some of the other big plays? Um, and if you could go into the 1031 exchange, just a little bit, touch on it, uh, how it works, what the rules are behind it. Um, and are you familiar with the reverse 1031 as well? No, I'm not familiar with reverse 1031. All right. So this Tell is me about work. it. Uh, reverse okay. 1031. I was talking to a, a 1031 exchange trance, all he does. And he was saying that you could actually go close, identify on the property, but then reverse sell. Like when you sell something else, it goes and puts uh, pays that down payment. So you'd actually sell, buy the property first and then have a sale happen in the future that goes back and attaches to that property. So it'd be a reverse 1031. Okay. Right. Um, the rules for 1031 are that the, the properties have to uh, close within a, um, a certain time frame of each other. It doesn't require that one go first or the other one goes first. But ah. yeah, um, so that, that's nice though. I like that. So um, just to, to give you uh, the rundown on 1031, just for your and, and your viewers' benefits, is, you know, 1031 is, is, is wonderful, um, uh, especially with cost seg. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, just, uh, Tying it all together. Bam, bam, right? 
Uh, it's a great one-two punch, right? So nope. you want to if you if you do a cost sag, um, you're 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 taking massive depreciation deductions, and that helps you when you take those tax deductions. Okay, um, but then uh, then your property has a lower basis or lower book value, as it were. Okay, so you know going back to the the example I had, if it was $275,000 property, you took a $50,000 depreciation deduction on it. Now it's two twenty-five dollars on the books. If you sell it for $300,000, then you have a $75,000 taxable gain. Okay. Um, if you 1031 that property, meaning that you do what's called a like-kind exchange, meaning that you uh, um, you sell property A and you buy property B within a certain time frame of each other. And there's time frames for identifying and closing on the properties. But you sell A, you buy B. And now, let's say you buy B for $300,000, okay? You basically kept that money in the system, okay? And now you have this $300,000 property B and you didn't pay any taxes on it. Um, that you would have if you had just sold property A straight out. But because you rolled it or 1031'd it to property B, there's no tax, and the tax is what's considered deferred. Okay, And so the ideal with this is that you defer and defer and defer and defer and defer and defer and defer, and defer, and defer into eternity um, if, you, you know, if you're – uh, able to, to to keep going, right? So you defer and defer and defer, and you say, well, okay, well, I got all this, you know, let's say I now defer and defer, and like, so say property B now appreciates in value to $500,000, okay? And then I want to sell it, and, and I want to do a 1031 to property C, okay? And then it just, the idea is that it keeps going up and up and up, okay? What you can, but you might say, hey, look, you know, um, I need cash, okay? Um, I have, you know, now I'm at property F, okay, along my trail, right? And property F is a million-dollar property. I need cash, right? And if I sell it, I'm going to get nailed with taxes because I've been deferring all these taxes. Well, what do you do to get cash in that situation? What do you do? Uh, it's cost segregate. You can't. It's already gone. <laughs> Refinance. <laughs> yes, exactly. Borrow against the property. Cash in your yes. pocket with no tax hit. Okay. Yep. You can so if you have a property that say like you've been deferring taxes through multiple properties along the way yep. and now you're at, you know, property F or whatever down the road and you say, Well man, I need cash. If I sell property F, I'm gonna get nailed. I'm dead, right? Yep. So what do you do? I need cash, you you borrow against the property, you refinance it. Okay. Yep. And as uh and um and the refinance it's gonna be a loan against the property, it'll be um do and payable when the property is sold, okay? Uh, but it's, it's a way to get cash in your pocket so that you can go to the next project, the next deal, or take that vacation because you're busting your butt for not, you know, not just to, you know, have a, a you know, a, a huge real estate portfolio, but you want to take that vacation. You want to buy that car. You want to do that, yep. you know, do the things that, you know, are meaningful in your life. You, you know, pay your kids college bill. <laughs> um, and, and, Hopefully so that has a return on investment too. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> like, yeah. And then, and then I'll, I'll tell you a situation where, um, you know, it's kind of like uh, it's a, a life cycle here, um, where um, I've been recommending these steps to a client, uh, and um, 
and the life cycle, you know, it's always kind of a little grim, a little tough to talk about, but, uh, you know, everybody's life comes to an end and they want to provide for their families, uh, in as uh, tax effective way as possible. I had a client, his name is George. George had many, uh, rental properties across New Jersey and Pennsylvania. He 1031 a lot. And the piper has to get paid if you sell properties that have been 1031. It's it just, right. you're putting it way down into the future, okay? But George actually beat it outright because George passed away and he left $3 million in property to his heirs tax-free. How did he do this? Tim, how did he do this tax-free? Okay. Now, like I said, it's a life cycle thing, and it has to do with end of life planning. Okay, but let's say you know you, if you if you defer taxes through 1031s uh, for decades and in, throughout your whole life, as my client George did. Okay, right. and he rest in peace. Um, and um, as my client George did throughout the years, he deferred all these taxes, and 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 the deferral has to get. Um, caught up when you ultimately pay them or ultimately when you sell those properties. Okay. So deferral, let me bring in a topic here that you may have heard about in tax world called basis. Okay. Basis is what you use in calculating gain or loss. Okay. So if I sell something for $500,000 and I have a basis of $300,000, I have a $200,000 taxable gain. Okay. Um, with 1031s, uh, you have a ve- you typically tend to have a very low basis in very highly appreciated property. So in in George's case, his basis was like I don't know, like a hundred thousand dollars in three million dollars of property. So if George were to sell that property the day before he died, okay, right. he'd have to sell pay tax on two point nine million dollars. Okay, wow. however. If you die with property, you get something called a step up in basis. You've heard of this, Walter? No, guys, this is new. Step up in it's basis, new, is, is, it's a sad, sad situation, but we all have to leave this world. Um, and uh, if you die with appreciated property, that property gets a step up in basis to the fair market value at the time of your death. So George, um, his $3 million properties now get a $3 million basis and the properties got sold by the heirs because, you know, they didn't want to manage properties. They weren't landlords. They just, you know, they just wanted the money, you know? And so they got the $3 million tax free. That is absolutely amazing. What is the step that he took to set that up? George asked me many years ago, Tim, I know I'm going to have to pay taxes on these. How do I not pay the tax on these properties? Even though, It's going to, you know, even though they're highly appreciated and I have a low basis because I've been doing 1031s, I said, George, yep. uh, I said it tongue in cheek uh, about 10 years ago, um, but I said it tongue in cheek, but it was real advice. I'm like, George, just hold them until you die. And, and based on that, we just made sure that, you know, the property stayed in his name until he died. You know, there's, you know, there's pros and cons to everything, but George was able to hold on to the properties till he died. And as long as you die owning the property, you get that step up in basis. It's huge. I've, I've always, so I have another solution, right? I have one that, that works for your life. 
<laughs> and you can okay. test this on me. Actually, I'm testing it on you because you're, you're the tax guy and you can be the very research and qualify if this is right. But I look at it this way and you're right. At least we know that if we hold them long enough, then and when we pass away, step up in basis and our kids are taken care of. So that's one perfect solution because there's no reason for us to ever let go of our properties when we're managing we want that portfolio to pass on to our kids anyway. The other solution that I've come up with that I've theorized, because I've not tested, but 1031 your entire life, you're, you're at the point you've, you see you have all portfolios all over the place. I'm sorry. Walter, you're breaking up a little bit. I'm not catching the details. So, I can't hear you, Walter. I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? No. Testing, testing, check. Okay, testing, testing. Okay. Got you. Okay, guys, got it. But you're not moving. Oh, man. Well, (laughs) I promised on my end I'm moving. (laughs) Okay. So, say we get to the point where now you own a bunch of property and it's time to sell, but it's all paid off. As long as it's all paid off, that's the only time this works. It's all paid off. You can sell those buildings with seller finance. When you sell oh, them yeah. holding the paper, there's yeah. no taxable gain at the sale. And then when the note is paid, it's a note paid. It's not money received. And so they've managed to, to win the game while still being alive. Well, seller financing allows you to um, pay taxes as you get the money. Okay. In it form doesn't of allow you, or is it paying the tax as is a payover? You're paying taxes on the gain. Okay. You, so you yeah, pay taxes and on, on the interest as you receive. Yeah. So so let's say um, <sighs> so so let's say uh, you have a. Um, a property that has a hundred thousand dollar gain right. and you hold a, a 10 year note on it. Okay. Yep. Let's assume it's not amortized. It's just, you know, the same amount of interest and in principal is paid every um, month. Okay. But you, you know, interest and in principal in a typically amortized loan, you know, does this crisscross, right? As yeah. you know, as you go through, you know, the, the interest goes down and the principal goes, uh, uh, the amount per payment um, is less interest and more principal as you go on, right? Right. Yes, uh, that that is the the case, but you know that's typically how loans are structured. But imagine that the loan is exactly the same amount of principal and interest every month. Interest only. And you hold, it's interest only. If it's interest only, then all you're paying taxes on is interest. Okay. Okay, and you still hold. Then you hold a lien to the property. Okay. Because you're a lien holder on it, yep. um, and you're let's say you're you're getting paid interest only at an interest rate of you know five percent, you know, um, you know, and so five percent on on a you know say a a five hundred thousand dollar sale. Well, guess what? That's twenty five thousand um, dollar interest payment that you're going to get um, for the length of that loan. Um, but when if there's a balloon payment, then the oh, sorry, the twenty five thousand dollars will be taxable as interest. And if and when there's a, a payoff or a balloon payment on that loan, that will be um, – you'll have to pay taxes on the gain associated with getting that money. So the gain's still there. You can't get away from it. So if you sell it and you keep that gain out there, you have to claim the gain upon the sale. 
uh, yeah. upon uh, the payoff. Yeah, upon receipt of interest. If you just receive, I'm sorry, sorry, upon receipt of principal. If you're just receiving interest, then you don't have to pay taxes on the gain. Okay. So when you receive principal, okay, then uh, then you um, then you uh, have that uh, tax gain tax. Okay. You want you want you want your cake and eat it too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How do we you do? Don't it? want to die. You're gonna to live to be 150 years old. Got gotcha. you. Go. Okay. You know what you want to do? You want the Roth. Okay. The Roth IRA. The Roth, the Roth, the Roth IRA. Okay. Now, one thing about a Roth is it's amazing. Okay. But the, the window of, of cramming money into it um, is, is limited. Okay. Um, right. Most people have um, uh, 401ks at work. Okay. Um, those would need to go into self-directed um, uh, IRAs and preferably Roth IRAs, okay? Because a Roth IRA means that the money that you've put into it, uh, you've already paid taxes on. However, the growth, which is what we're expecting, you know, that's what we're in this game for, is lots of growth, right? Uh, appreciated properties, rental income, cash flow, you name it, we want it, right? Yeah, um, and so we want lots of growth in our Roth IRA. Um, and we don't want to trip up the rules of, you know, how much can I actually be actively participating with my Roth IRA? Okay. Mm -hmm. And again, like I said, I think like an equity trust would be the ones that would, like, they are right there at the heart of it, right? They'll, they'll be the ones that uh, be, give the expertise as far as like, what can you do and what can't you do? Okay. Right. Um, one thing, you know, that I would, uh, you know, roll past equity trust is say something like, hey, look, you know, I'm really involved in managing properties. That's what I do, right? And you're going to tell me I can't do that with a Roth IRA, all right? Well, my buddy, my, what's your partner's name, uh, G? Ron? Ron, yep. Okay. So Ron does the same thing, okay? Well, what if Ron manages the properties that your IRAs invest in and you manage the properties that his IRA invests in? Try that. Now we're talking. That's, yeah. So you can be a property manager, proper, uh, an investor, and be active as long as you have somebody that you know that you trust. You know, to yeah. partner and mirror mirror you. You know, I think that could be um, a huge uh, uh, opportunity to to get your properties um, into a Roth IRA, have them managed, maybe not by you per se, but someone that you trust. Okay. Right. Um, and and then. Any gain on those properties, um, well, as long as they stay in the Roth IRA, uh, there's no tax. And as long as you take a distribution in a qualified manner from a Roth IRA, uh, right. then there's also no tax. Uh, but it's an IRA, individual retirement account. Okay. Right. So to, to qualify for no tax with a Roth IRA, it's typically two qualifications. Number one is that you've had the Roth IRA for at least five years. And number two, you take it out at the age of 59 and a half. Okay. So this could be, you know, you know, something that could lead to a super um, tax uh, free retirement. Okay. Right. Um, and that's really what a lot of our, our investors are looking to do. Right. So our, our whole slogan is uh, agent alchemist or alchemist real estate, fast tracking retirement. If we can, avoid some of the damages that taxes taking out taxes too early does to you keeping them in play longer than you know people can retire faster in theory one yes. question i have can you take that note 
that note and sell it to an IRA? Ask equity trust. Ask equity I, trust. I think so, but I would want to ask like an equity trust, whoever the custodian is for the, the self-directed IRA. All right. So right now, Tim, we've got, we've got a theory going. <laughs> we've got a couple of theories that, that work pretty well. I, I like that. And worst case scenario, just hold your property till you die. That is, <laughs> that is the, the life expectancy Warren Buffett puts on his investments, right? Right. Well, you know, you hold your property properties till you die. But remember, I'm, you know, I'm not going to have, you know, millions of dollars of real estate portfolio and eat cat food. You can right. always borrow against those properties. There's always the ability so, to know. go and lend against them. Absolutely. And you can always yeah. 1031. It's a property that you prefer. So you're not stuck with right. property you have as long as you 1031 to something that you want. Right. You can always you can always move it. It, it really does make sense to keep the money in play. Right. Yeah, so you're you're not going to be you know real estate rich and cash poor. You can always borrow against it, and you know, right. and and buy that you know, you know, car or buy that you know you know pay that kid's college tuition. Um, like I said, it's, yeah. you, know, you know you're not going to be eating cat food till you die, um, and then just leave it all to your tax free heirs. You're right, Tim. There's there's actually a sweet spot in in the mortgages. We look at our principal. And we look at how much the, right now we're paying about 15,000 a month of mortgages. And we look at how much principal that is and almost $5,000 of that is principal, right? Mm -hmm. So at the end of the year, we've actually saved or paid down our mortgages about 60 grand. And, okay. and that's as is with the portfolio the way it is. As the portfolio grows, that number, you know, so we're double it, now that number's uh, increased. So theoretically, that pay down of the portfolio, that pay down a mortgage, you could just refi that every year and have that base, base mortgage that small little amount where you're just pulling it back out, putting it back in, pulling it back out, utilizing it through life. It's a thin spread, but. Yeah, you, you can do that or you can have interest only mortgages. If you have interest only mortgages, then you're never paying the interest in the first place. And the, uh, I'm sorry, you're paying just the interest. You're never paying the principal in the first place. Principal you're stays in your pocket. Keeping that cash flow anyway, right? Yeah, you're keeping that cash flow anyway. So interest only mortgages can be a nice solution there. There's lots of great stuff here. Incredible, you know. Um, oh yeah, so I, I didn't know we it, were man. good. Huh? There's so many ways to do it. <laughs> yeah. Dude, who else yeah. can I talk like this with? Who else do I have that I can just have these conversations other than you, brother? <laughs> Glad to be there, part of your team, man. I, I love it, man. So how can people get in touch with you, Tim? If they want to have a, a detailed conversation about the tax code and get into it. Uh, also, what states are you uh, able to actually transact in? What, what states are you licensed in? Um, actually, my license is a federal license. Um, it's issued by the United States Treasury. Um, and so, yeah, so uh, I'm not uh, limited by uh, any state licensing. Um, I can uh, do business in all 50 states, um, Washington, D.C., and you know, everywhere else, right? Uh, and Massachusetts? So, yeah, I have a couple <laughs> of clients in, in Massachusetts, uh, and uh, um, I'd be uh, happy to, to, to talk further. Um, yeah, we do business in all 50 states. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, our, our closer geography is where we, you know, have more business, but uh, we can definitely do business in all 50 states. Um, to get in touch with us, um, you can always uh, send us an uh, email at our email address at our uh, firm. Uh, just the general intake comes through the office. So the email address is office at mansoorpartners.com. Okay. Um, 
and you have to um, mention that you saw uh, and got the contact information through this video because we are a referral only firm. Um, you know, we, 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 we have a lot of gold um, and we don't just give it uh, to people off the street because people off the street may not recognize the value that we bring. Okay. Um, so we uh, are referral only. Um, so, you know, this is a referral for you. Um, say, look, you know, um, through uh, Walter Amarello's uh, real estate coaching or his program, uh, we uh, saw Tim's video, um, and send an email uh, referencing that. But if you just say, hey, my name is Joe and I need tax services, um, we'll ask you, did, were you referred, you know, how'd you come across us? But if it's totally cold, um, we're, uh, we're, we're at a level of selectivity where uh, we don't take people that are totally cold. I love that. So excellent. I love that you'll take my people though, because they're qualified from an hour long conversation about tax wealth. So I love that. Tim, we appreciate you, man. Thank you. If we could go back, I got about uh, two more minutes left and I want to ask you for advice. If you can go back to, to young Tim and give him three pieces of advice, what is the, <laughs> well, all right, all right. Slightly older Tim, not that young, <laughs> but if you go back and give yourself a, uh, what are three pieces of advice you'd give yourself that would really put you in a great spot today? Buy real estate, buy real estate, buy real estate. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, you know, um, you know, young Tim um, uh, invested a lot in the stock market and stock market investing was uh, an easier, a lower barrier to entry. You know, I only needed a few bucks to buy, you know, a few shares of X stock, you know, it wasn't as big of a, of a commitment as, you know, buying a, a $300,000 property, but um, have, you know, having the, the vision or the understanding of tax and, and real estate wealth building that I have from this perspective, man, I wish I would have just bought properties, you know, um, yeah. just bought properties. Uh, yeah. 2008, 2009, 2010 were, were, you know, rough years. Um, but uh, you know, there, there were uh, outs to that and, 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 you know, it didn't, I don't think it would like finish you for life. Yeah, it was tough, but you know, it wouldn't have, you know, put you in the grave. Uh, so, you know, if I would have gone back, I would have said, Hey, you know, buy, buy more real estate. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's great advice. Um, and to be honest, all the big guys I know were buying through 2007, 2008, 2009. They, they survived those years by doubling down on the other side of the, the fall. Yeah. They held their mortgages. They did their best to make the payments. And then, in 2010, 11, 12, they bought two, three, four times as much as they bought in that beginning part. And so they, they just yeah. exploded to double down on the, on the mistake. So it's... Uh, I will tell you, my wealthiest clients, um, their wealth has come through real estate. Yeah. Okay. I mean, one or two, you know, made it big um, as an Amazon seller. One or two made it big investing in stocks and, and, and financial instruments. Uh, but like the, the far and away... Um, most successful industry that I've seen my clients succeed in and, and put real dollars in the account is real estate. Wow. And I'm that not saying awesome. that just to, you know, uh, you know, uh, play to Walter Amarello, real estate mentor. I'm, I'm telling you, that's what I see. Yeah. And so I, Tim, I, I know you well enough to know that you're just a numbers guy. You're just throwing it down saying, you know, fuck, like that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Um, and that was one of my concerns too, is, you know, when we bring people on, are they playing to the fact that, you know, I speak about real estate all the time. Uh, but I know for you, like you're talking real estate cause that's what you guys are doing. And that's what you're saying. The people with the most money are actually doing. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, yeah. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for all yeah. the time and, and the content. And what is one more way? Again, what is uh, the easiest way for people to get in touch with Tim Mansoor, the tax pro? Yeah, I, I'm starting to brand myself as Tim Mansoor, the social accountant. The social uh, yeah, accountant. Kind of, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of accountants are smart, but they won't be able to like talk to you. And, you know, I, 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 like I said, I talk to my clients, ask them a lot of questions, get to know them. Um, so Tim Mansoor, the social accountant. Um, uh, I'm the uh, managing partner at Mansour Partners. The email address is office at mansourpartners.com. And Mansour is M-A-N-S-O-U-R. Thank you so much, Tim. I appreciate you and all your advice. I'm actually going to put a lot of this into action myself. When you have a choice, right. always work with the best. All right. Uh -huh.